0: hey everyone, my name is Steven and I am one of the pastors here at Journey Church. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that this helps you on your walk with Jesus, but also that it encourages you to get plugged into a local community of believers. Hey, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that being isolated from others is not how God intended us to live. So be sure to use this resource in conjunction with being plugged into your local church. And we hope you enjoy this message from God's Word.
1: Happy New Year to all of you today. It's uh, yesterday celebrating that new year, 2022. Um, I, I hope it's a good year. I have my doubts about uh, how the year is going to go, but I won't be pessimistic at all. Uh, I think it just hopefully it'll be a great year and you'll enjoy 2022 and uh, good things will be happening uh, in 2022. Um I don't know if any of you are New Year's resolution setters. How how many have New Year's resolutions that you come up with at the beginning? Um... I see like barely any hands going up at all. Uh, I know many of the common things are things like uh we're gonna we're gonna eat better, we're going to start to exercise. Did any of you have those kind of goals? Is that your goal for twenty uh, at least one brave person uh raising her hand to say yes, that is the case? I'd heard a story of an 84-year-old woman um, who had decided she needed to get in shape. She was in uh, in bad shape. She knew she needed to start exercising. And so she signed up for a senior aerobic class. Uh, she joined this class the first day, uh, the day the class arrived. She bent. She twisted. She, she moved back and forth. She perspired. She du- jumped up and down had a I mean went through all of those things and uh later that day her daughter called her and said mom well how did the how did the exercise class go she said well I really don't know it took me the entire hour to get my leotards on and uh (laughs) so I never really got to experience what it was like maybe that's your exercise program this year I thought maybe it'd be more realistic to start setting some real goals that you could really accomplish this year. For example, order one of every drink off of the Starbucks menu this year. Maybe that could be your goal this year. Or maybe another goal that you could possibly have would be to... to be on a first-name basis with your DoorDash delivery person, Uh, get to know them really well this this coming year. Or maybe it is see how many times you could watch your favorite TV series back-to-back without getting bored of it. Maybe that could be another goal that you could actually accomplish this year. Uh, This year, for this idea of getting into the new year, what I want to talk to you about for the next couple of weeks is really about relationships. I want to talk about what it means to have reconciliation in relationships. God has called us to be reconciled one to another when it's possible, when there is a possibility of that. And so I wanna talk to you about what reconciliation looks like from the Bible. And I wanna use the picture of a book of the Bible that you probably uh, may not have ever read before, or if you read, it was just a real quick reading. It's only 25 verses. It's one of the shortest books of the Bible. It is a book called Philemon, or actually in Greek it's Philemon, uh, but the common English is Philemon. This idea in the Bible of these 25 verses is the picture of what reconciliation is all going to be about. And that's what I want to talk to you today and next week about, is how do we restore a relationship in Christ? What does the model and the picture of that look like from this little book? It's, it's not the smallest book of the Bible. It does contain a total of 335 words. Third John is the shortest book of the Bible. It only contains 219 words, just in case you need that for a trivia battle someday. Third John is the smallest book. This is the third shortest book in the Bible. And it's a short little letter written by the Apostle Paul to a guy by the name of Philemon. God's desire is that we are reconciled in our relationships. Dr. James Dobson once made a statement that has stuck with me for years and years. I say it as often as I can. His statement was this, that there are only three things that matter in life. The three things that matter are these. It's those you love, those who love you, and where you're going when you die. Everything else is the details. Everything else really is, um, is things that don't matter. What matters in life is those you love, those who love you, where you're going when you die. In order to stay good in those relationships, you have to have reconciliation and be reconciled in order to have healthy relationships. This is God's desire. Hebrews twelve fourteen. he says this, Strive for peace with everyone, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So strive for peace and strive for holiness. Romans 12, 18, it says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. As far as it depends upon you, be at peace, have a peaceable relationship, be reconciled If you can, if there is a possibility. So what we're gonna look at for the next two weeks is extending forgiveness and seeking forgiveness. Extending forgiveness, how do do I forgive? How can I forgive? And number two, next week on making amends, how can I seek forgiveness if I have actually done something wrong, offensive to somebody else? And so those are the two things that we're gonna look at over the next couple of weeks. Let's pray. As we get into this today, Father, help us today to hear from you. Help us to understand your heart when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to reconciliation. Right now, Lord, I pray that you would put upon our hearts, the people in our lives, that we need to forgive. I believe, Lord, that there are many in this room that have people that they have been holding bitterness toward, that they've been holding on to resentment toward, that they have judged falsely even. Lord, that people that have, have hurt them, people that have offended them, and they need to come to a point of forgiveness. I pray, Lord, that you would put those people on our hearts and help us to be willing at the end of this to say, Father, I want to forgive. Help me to extend forgiveness to these people. Lord, be with us now. Be our teacher. Show us your truth. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Well, today we're going to focus on the extending forgiveness portion of this. God, again, has desired the picture of reconciliation. So what, is, what happens in relationships? Well, I want to illustrate it this way. If, if my hands were to represent two people, let's, for example, take a marriage relationship. It doesn't have to be marriage. It could be friends. It could be a, a co-workers. It could be a parent-child relationship. But let's just use marriage as an example. When a husband and wife get married, if the husband is one hand, the wife is another hand, when you get married, you're close, you're close together. The marriage relationship is exciting. It's, it's something that you're looking forward to. You stand up together and you say those vows together. You'll never purposefully hurt each other. You'll never wound each other. When you get married, you're close together. But something happens after the marriage ceremony. It does, I don't know when it happens, but sometimes it happens later down the road and that is the closeness that we have all of a the sudden there's distance in our relationship between the two of this between the two of us distance happens because something occurs some offense occurs we get hurt by each other somebody says something somebody does something the way that they act the way that they look all of a sudden the closeness now there is a gap between the two of us that has to be reconciled in order for us to come Back together. If there is no reconciliation, then we will stay far apart. We will have distance in our relationship. Here's the typical couple's scenario then. They're close, something happens, something occurs, there's distance, there's not reconciliation, there's an offense that has taken place, and because of that, they are not really communicating, they're not wanting to be around each other, they're not wanting to talk together at all, there's distance in their relationship. They don't really ever resolve it. Reconciliation doesn't take place, they just sweep it under the rug, All of a sudden, they start talking again. They've never resolved the issue. There's still distance in the relationship. Now, another offense occurs. Most often, it's because the wife did something wrong. It's never the husband's fault. It's always the wife's fault. That's completely false, just so you know. That's a lie. The guy did something wrong. We know it is. We know that's the truth. And there creates more distance in the relationship. And now... They don't ever resolve it. They don't reconcile. They don't ever get it worked through. There's not the extending of forgiveness or the seeking of forgiveness. They sweep it under the rug. And they just keep going. But there's distance. There's more distance. Now, another offense occurs. It pushes them out further. They don't reconcile. There's no extending forgiveness, receiving forgiveness. They just sweep it under the rug. And then another offense occurs, and they're further out here. Another offense occurs. They're further out. And all of a sudden, over a series of years, there is great distance between the two of them because they have never reconciled. It's not removing every conflict. That's not the goal. The goal is how do I, once I have had distance, how do I reconcile and bridge the gap and bring us back together? That's the goal. How do we extend forgiveness and receive forgiveness so that we can be reconciled with one another? Now, it may not be the husband and wife. It may be a friend. You had a friendship and you've had a falling out and you've never reconciled and there's distance in that relationship. Maybe it's a coworker. We had a falling out. Now there's distance in the relationship. Maybe it's between yourself and your grown child, or it's your child and and the parent. There's a hurt, an offense, and now there's distance. How do we reconcile and close that gap and bridge that gap? That brings us to the story of Philemon. Philemon was a Christian living in a place called Colossae. Colossae is where we get our book of Colossians. It was written to the people, the church of Colossae, which was really run out of Philemon's home. He was the person who had a home church. Now, we don't know if he was the leader of that home church, but we know he was at least the host of it because it was there in his home. He had come to know the Lord through the ministry of the apostle Paul. Apostle Paul led him to Christ, and his family was saved. His family was changed because of that relationship with the Lord. In his family, he was a typical Roman family, probably very wealthy Roman family, because he had household servants or household slaves at the time. One of the slaves that was in his household at some point in time was a guy by the name of Onesimus. Now, Onesimus was a slave maybe prior to Philemon becoming a Christian. We don't know. But at some point, Onesimus ran away from this situation where he was a slave in the home of Philemon. Onesimus found himself in Rome, most likely. He ran into the Apostle Paul, somehow got connected with him. And in that connection with Paul, he got saved. And now Paul is going to encourage Onesimus to do the right thing, go back to the situation and make amends. You ran away from the situation, you did not do it right, you go back and you make amends in the place that you left. And he's writing a letter to Philemon who was the one who owned Onesimus, and he is saying to Philemon, I want you, when you get him back, to receive him, to forgive him, and in fact, then release him the right way and let him come back to me. It's a picture of reconciliation of a relationship that had been badly broken and badly damaged. We're gonna read this, it's only 25 verses. We're gonna read it this week and next week. And then I'm gonna talk today about what the Bible talks about to us and a couple of principles about extending forgiveness. So let's read it together. Here's what it says. Paul, a prisoner of Messiah Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, Who is our beloved and fellow worker, to Ophia, our sister, to Archippos, our fellow soldier, and to the community that meets in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Messiah, Jesus. So the home is serving as the church for this group in Colossae. Paul writes this. I thank my God always when mentioning you in my prayers, hearing of your love and the trust you have toward the Lord Jesus and all the saints. May the fellowship of your faith become effective with the recognition of all the good that is ours in Messiah. For I received much joy and comfort in your love, brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. In other words, whatever you're doing, Philemon, in your community, in the church there in Colossae, you're doing a good job because the hearts of people are changed. They are really getting serious about the Lord. It's been awesome to see what God has been doing through your community of believers there in Colossae. Therefore, Though I have plenty of boldness in Messiah to order you to do what is right, yet for love's sake, I appeal to you instead. I, Paul, am an old man, and now also a prisoner belonging to Messiah Jesus. I beg you for my child Onesimus, for whom I became a spiritual father while in chains. He was once useless to you because he had run away. But now is useful both to you and me now because he got saved. I really wanted to keep him with me so that on your behalf he might serve me while I am in chains for the good news. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. So that your goodness wouldn't be by force but by free will. For perhaps he was separated from you for a while in order that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me, even more so to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me a worthy partner or consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. But if he has done anything, uh, if he has done any wrong or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay not to mention that you actually owe me your very self because I led you to the Lord. Yes, brother, let me have some benefit from you and the Lord refresh my heart in Messiah. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, uh, write to you knowing that you will do even more than what I say. At the same time also, prepare a guest room for me, for I hope that through your prayers I'll be let out of prison. I'll be given back to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Messiah Jesus, greets you. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. May the grace of our Lord Messiah Jesus be with your spirit. Amen. What is he talking about and what is all of this leading to? Well, he is asking and he's pleading, Philemon, would you please forgive Onesimus for what he has done? Can you find it in your heart Not only to forgive him, but to release him, let him go, let him come back to me, because if you will do that, great things will be accomplished. There's some principles that are hidden through this, and some principles that come up about our own lives that are a reflection of this. Would you please forgive, and would you please release them? By releasing them, they're going to be able to accomplish what God wants them to accomplish. You see, in our lives, there are many people that we are holding captive We're holding them captive through a process of unforgiveness. They have wounded us, they have hurt us, they have done wrong to us, they have offended us in some way, and we are holding them captive by not releasing them, not forgiving them, not letting them go. Holding on to bitterness, holding on to unforgiveness does not affect them in the least, it affects us. And many of us are carrying those pains and carrying those burdens because we have not been willing to let those things go. Today, who do you need to forgive in your life? You, you may think of specific people. Maybe there's somebody in your life that has offended you greatly that you need to actually come to a point of forgiveness. Maybe the person that you need to forgive the most in your life is yourself, the person staring back at you when you look into the mirror every day. That's the person you need to forgive. You've been holding on to bitterness and resentment toward decisions that you've made, toward who you are, and that's the person you need to let go. Maybe, and weird to say, the person you may need to forgive is actually God himself. Not that God has done anything wrong, but your perceptions and your expectations of God were not met, and so you've been holding this against God. It's not that he did something wrong, but you need to come to that point of forgiving again in that relationship so that you're reconciled to him. God desires us to be reconciled. He desires us to let go of these things that are holding us back, the bitterness that we hold on to, the resentments that we hold on to, and move to a point of forgiveness. And that's exactly the picture of what is going on here. Well, I want to give you today two principles from this about what what it means to extend forgiveness. And then I want to talk to you about what forgiveness isn't and what forgiveness is. And then I want to give you a practical way to actually do this in your life and to think through this process of forgiveness. Number one, the first principle of the two out of this scripture is that forgiveness is the command of God. It is the command of God. There's no way around it. There's no, there's no way to skirt the issue. There's no loopholes that I have found or come up with. It is the command of God that we are called to forgive. Now, I want to point something out in the scripture. It doesn't really clearly say that he is calling us to forgive, but Paul is using a little bit of psychology against Philemon in verse 6. Look at what he says. May the fellowship of your faith become effective with the recognition of all the good that is ours in Messiah. Now, what is Paul saying subtly to Philemon? He's saying, first of all, he pointed out, you have an effective church. You are doing well. The church is meeting in your home. I want you to be effective in your fellowship of faith. How will you be effective in your fellowship of faith? Well, Paul is going to go on to point out that you then forgive uh, you forgive Onesimus. That's how you're going to be effective. Your faith will be effective when it becomes real. There are too many Christians that claim Christianity don't, but don't walk Christianity. Do you understand what I mean by that? They claim the name of Jesus, but they don't walk the walk of Jesus. I want to associate with Jesus, but I don't want to do what Jesus has called me to do. I want the label and I want to attend and I really want to get out of hell free card. I just don't want to walk and do what Jesus has called me to do. Faith becomes effective when we do what Jesus asks us to do. Do you know that finances become effective when you manage your finances God's, God's ways? Did you know that? When you manage your finances your way, it's ineffective. When you manage your finances God's way, faith becomes effective. When you do marriage your way, it's ineffective because it's two selfish people being selfish toward each other. But when you do marriage God's way, your faith becomes effective. Does that make sense? When you are holding on to bitterness and anger, you have resentment towards someone else, your faith is useless. But when you do God's way, I will forgive because it's God's command, your faith becomes effective. That's Paul's message here. You're leading a church. You have a wonderful ministry. People are getting changed. Do you want your faith to be effective? Then you need to forgive him. And you need to release it, and you need to let it go. Again, it's the same thing to us. Is there anybody that you need to forgive and let go and release so that your faith can be effective? It may be the one stumbling block that is keeping you from an effective faith, and that is this faith, this walking with him in forgiveness. The Lord says it this way in Matthew 6. But if you do not forgive others... Neither will your father forgive your transgressions. So again, it's God's command. Colossians 3, Paul writes this, bearing with one another, and if one of you has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Do you, again, have anything that you're holding against, a complaint that you're holding against? If so, the command is this, I want you to forgive Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. As God forgave you, you forgive others. If you do not forgive others, God will not forgive you. Do you see the principles behind this? This is not a worldly principle. It does not apply to the world. It applies to the church. It is for the Christian. The world does not operate this way, but the Christian does. And if you want to be effective in your faith, then you operate according to God's principles, not the world's principles. Number two, forgiveness is not just a command of God, but forgiveness is also a choice of the will. It is a choice that has to be made in order to be reconciled, in order to forgive. In Philemon, verse 14, Paul writes this to him. He says, But I didn't want to do anything. So remember what Paul was saying. He was saying, I could just command you to do this because I'm the one that led you to Christ. Your life, you would be going to hell if it wasn't for me sharing the gospel with you. I could command you to do this, but I'm not. I don't want to do anything, (coughs) excuse me, without your consent. So that your goodness wouldn't be by force, but by free will. What is he saying there? He's saying the choice is yours. I'm not gonna force you. It has to be your free will that you're willingly coming to a point where you say you will forgive. There are too many people that only will forgive when the other person suffers enough or comes to me and says the right thing, then I will forgive them. That's not how it works. Forgiveness is me letting it go by Choosing my free will to actually forgive them. That's how forgiveness works. So, forgiveness is the command of God and it is the choice of the will. Now, let me tell you what forgiveness isn't and tell you what forgiveness is. So, here's what forgiveness isn't. And this is important because many people get this confused. Number one, forgiveness isn't forgetting. How many have been led by the famous saying, you need to forgive and forget. how's that according, you know quoting Dr. Phil, how 's that working for you? Have you been able to do that? Forgiveness isn't forgetting. I have a tendency, and it 's a bad habit, but I have a tendency to forget the things I want to remember, like where did I put my car keys and where did I put my cell phone and where did I put my wallet? I forget those almost on a daily basis, it seems like, although I've gotten better because I got this little um, this little credit card-like thing that I put in my wallet that will actually find my wallet if it's lost. It's really handy. I put a little tag on my keychain that will find my keys when they're lost and my watch will help me find my phone if I've lost that. So I have, I've through technology, constantly conquered life really I have conquered the three hills of life but I have this tendency to forget the things that I don't want to forget you know what I what I can't do though I, I seem to not be able to forget the things that I would like to forget those things I can't forget I can't forget the words that were said the actions that were done the hurts that happened the offenses that took place I can't seem to forget those If you're waiting to forgive until you've actually forgotten, then you will never forgive because forgiveness isn't forgetting. You know what else forgiveness isn't? Forgiveness isn't trusting. Many people often think if I forgive, that means I trust and I will never trust, therefore, I can never forgive. Do you know forgiveness has nothing to do with trusting? They are two separate issues completely. Forgiveness is always to be unconditional. Trust is extremely conditional. You don't trust people who have broken your trust over and over again, and you should not trust them. Please don't trust them because trust is always earned. Trust is earned through time, through relationship, through people proving themselves to be trustworthy. There are people I would trust with all of my life, in my life, I would trust them with everything because I have learned over time that they are trustworthy. There are other people that I would never trust with a thing because I have learned that they are not trustworthy. And every time I've tried to trust, they have broken it and I have paid the price. Do you know that trust can be broken? It's kind of like jumping off a 30-story building. It just takes a few seconds. And that's how trust is broken. It's a quick drop. Do you know that trust to be earned is a long process? Instead of jumping off the building, it is climbing the steps to a 30-story building to the top. It takes a long time and a lot of effort, and that's how trust is built. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you trust them. In fact, you would be foolish to trust them. It would be... Inappropriate to trust them. It would be setting yourself up for disaster to trust them. Forgiveness has nothing to do with that. It isn't forgetting, it isn't trusting. You know what else it isn't? It isn't pretending pretending like nothing ever happened, pretending like you didn't do what was wrong, you didn't offend me, you didn't hurt me. It's not pretending. It's not excusing and making an excuse for them of why they did what they did. No, there is no excuse. They did this, they did what was wrong, they offended, they hurt, and and, and to forgive them is not to excuse what they have done. To forgive is also not ignoring. I'm just not gonna ignore it and sweep it under the rug. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not sweeping things under the rug. Forgiveness is also not just simply saying the words. Saying the words, well, I forgive if you're just saying the words, you're going through the motions, that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness isn't forgetting. It's not trusting. It's not pretending. It's not excusing. It's not ignoring. It's not simply saying the words. What is it then? Well, forgiveness is, it's an act of the heart, a choice of the will. It's a decision in my heart that I will forgive this person. I will forgive my Wife, I will forgive my husband. I will forgive my child. I'll forgive my parent. I'll forgive my friend. I'll forgive this coworker. It's a choice of the heart. Forgiveness is extending grace despite the fact that I will remember and I will never forget this, but I will show you the same grace that God has shown to me. It isn't letting go of my desire or it is letting go of my desire for revenge. Most of us, when we're unforgiving, we want revenge. We want vengeance against the person who hurt us. It's a letting go of the desire for revenge. Forgiveness is also praying for those who don't deserve it. Can you pray for the person who has hurt you? Forgiveness is necessary for my own well-being. Someone once said and said very well that, Resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness is like drinking poison expecting the other person to die. Forgiveness is for me. It's not for them. It's so that I can let this go, so that I can be at peace, so that I can do everything on my part to be reconciled. That's what forgiveness is. So I'm gonna give you a three-step process in order to forgive in life going forward. It's gonna be three words. The words are these, forgive, forgive, forgiving, and forgiven. Here's how these work. At some point in your life, let, let, let me use Stephen as an example because he's sitting right here and, and I work with him every day. I know, I, I, this is a hypothetical, this is never true. But if Stephen had done something to hurt me, to wound me, to offend me in some way, and every day I saw Stephen, it would be instant anger again. That's, this is hypothetical. This is not the case. So don't even think that or don't, don't uh, carry that rumor around. But let's say I felt that toward him. I have to make, at some point in my life, a choice to forgive. That's the choice. It's the one moment in time I choose, by the help of God's spirit, to forgive Stephen. Okay, it's a choice. Now, after I have made that choice, things are going to come up. I've made that choice, but then I'm going to feel the emotions again every once in a while. I'm going to feel frustrated. And I'm going to feel, uh, it's, uh, those, those thoughts are going to pop back up in my mind. That's, remember what he did? Remember what he said? Remember how he acted? And those thoughts are going to come back to mind. B- but wait a second, I made a choice to forgive. Did I not forgive? Well, I did every time those thoughts and those emotions come up and those reminders come up. Or I read something or I see a movie and it reminds me of it. Or I hear a song and it reminds me of it. Every time those emotions come up, I have to be forgiving in the moment. I forgave, Lord help me to be forgiving every time I'm reminded. So every time I hear our song on the radio, I it sounds really weird, doesn't it? Every time I hear this, I have the emotions, wait, I forgave, help me to be forgiving. And so it's a reminder. Every time this happens, help me to be forgiving. So that happens, that's the process. So you have the choice, then you have the process. Forgive is the choice, forgiving is the process and the the reality I live in, and then you get to the point of forgiven. How do you know you've reached the point of forgiven? Because it doesn't hurt anymore. I remember it, I haven't forgotten it, but it does not affect me in the least. I can hear our song, and it doesn't create the emotions. I can hear something on a movie, and it doesn't remind me of it. Or if it does, I don't have the bitterness. Does that make sense? And you finally get to the point where you've reached forgiven. How long does that process take? Well, how long is the hurt? How deep is the hurt? How long have you been dealing with this? That may determine how long this process is. It's different for everyone. Maybe for some people, it's, it's a day. It's, I forgave, I'm forgiving, and I have forgiven, and it doesn't affect me anymore. For other situations, it may take me weeks. It may take me months. For some, it may be I'm wrestling this with for a few years. Every time the emotions come up, I remind myself, wait a second, I forgave. Lord, help me to be forgiving. I already forgave this. I want to be forgiving And you will finally reach the point where you can say, "I have truly forgiven," because it doesn't. I don't hold this against him. It doesn't hurt. It isn't a wound. It isn't a pain. I have finally gotten to that point. This is the process of extending forgiveness. It is the command of God. It is a choice of our will. It is not forgetting, it's not trusting, it's not pretending, it's not excusing, it's not ignoring, but it's letting go of my desire for vengeance. It's a, it's a letting go and extending grace the same way that God extended me grace. It's, it's letting God help me by working in my heart. And I go through this process where I forgive them. I'm forgiving them. I really have forgiven them. In your life, As we start this new year, do you have people you need to forgive that you've been holding bitterness toward, you've been resentful toward, you've been holding uh, anger toward, unforgiveness toward, and God is even speaking to you today saying, I want you to make a choice today that you will forgive them. Every time it comes up down the road, you'll remind yourself, wait a second, I forgave. Help me to be forgiving. And then you'll get to the point in life where you finally said, you know, through God's help, I truly have forgiven them. Let's pray as we close this. Father God, help us to be people who really do forgive. If there are any people in our minds right now that you're just putting upon us, putting on our hearts, putting upon our minds, people that we know we need to forgive help us to do so lord if there is anyone that we are holding that bitterness toward i pray that right now by the power of your spirit as christians who want to be effective with our faith that we would make a choice to forgive i forgive them Every time it comes up down the road, Lord, help us to remind ourselves that, wait a second, I forgave, help me to now be forgiving. And Father, help us to finally reach the point where we can truly say, without a doubt, I have forgiven them. Father, we thank you that you desire for us to be reconciled. Help us to have these right relationships, as far as it depends upon us, what we can do, Lord. Lord in order to be reconciled for your kingdom's sake. We thank you, we love you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus,
0: amen. Thanks for listening to that message. We hope that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to Journey, head to our website, journeychurchjillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right hand corner. Your gift helps us to continue providing resources like this every single week. Also, be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website for updates and additional information. Hey, God bless you guys and have a great day.